Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Virgil. Hey Virgil. Hey. (laughs) And we are in the Gospels. We're looking, we're closing in on Jesus' final week. Um, and today seems to highlight a lot of conversation between Jesus and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Um, there's a little bit of debate and a lot of woes. <laughs> so, yeah. though, I guess actually the NLT doesn't have the woes, but that's what they are. Yeah. So, uh, Virgil, as we're reading over this, what stuck out to you the most in the reading? I think right away, um, at the beginning when, it, when Jesus is talking to the religious just one of the religious leaders, and he asks him, you know, like, what are the what's the most important commandment? Um, and he says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself." And this kind of sums up the the two commandments. And and right away, the the religious teacher um, or the religious leader says, um, "Well said, teacher." And I thought it's interesting that he says that. And then Jesus goes on and says, "You know, you're not far from the kingdom of God." And I think it's interesting that he addresses Jesus as teacher because he's not addressing him as, as his Lord or his savior. And mm-hmm. so obviously there's a difference there. And so when you see that for me, that just sticks out in my head. Cause I, I think sometimes if I'm reading the Bible um, just to learn things and I'm forgetting that, you know, that it's not transformational and that, that the Holy spirit is actually in it. And if I'm not receiving it as God's word, then all of a sudden it just becomes these good things that I should do. Yeah. Um, and so in this instant, I'm like, okay, he's still kind of missing it because he's like, well said, teacher. Okay, this is great knowledge for me, you know, and just kind of move on. But if he doesn't realize that this is like a big deal, um, there's less weight to it. It's a really awesome summary of kind of everything that's happening in these passages we read because Jesus is dealing with this group of people that they definitely understand God's word. Um, but they haven't internalized it in a way that transforms who they are. They're doing they're doing a lot of work trying to transform who everybody else is. Right. Um, and we'll we'll get to that as Jesus just starts to call them hypocrites over and over and over again. Um, something interesting that's happening in this passage with the um, love the Lord your God and also love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes I've I've heard this taught as like, well, you know, Jesus is setting a whole new law. It's actually he's actually not. Um, he's quoting Deuteronomy six, which is laid out um, at the very beginning of the Bible, essentially. Um, and these teachers of the law and Pharisees, they would have been quoting Deuteronomy six at least twice a day. So they would have been saying to themselves twice a day, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength." Um, and then sometimes what people say is Jesus kind of spun that on his heads a little bit and adds, "And you should love your neighbor as yourself." But also, that's not. Jesus originally, that's actually Leviticus 19.18 that talks about make sure when you're serving God, you're always loving your neighbor as yourself. So it's kind of cool to me that Jesus is actually just, it's a little bit of like back of the basics, like that, like Vince Lombardi, like this is a football. Um, (laughs) It's kind of Jesus like, hey, love God, love your neighbor. And that's not actually, that's not Jesus' original idea. This, This same concept was available to followers of God all throughout history. Right. Um, Jesus is just seeing this as like, you know what, guys, you are so into the details. You actually just need to get back to the basics. Like, love God and love your neighbor. Isn't there, there is a passage where Jesus talks about all the laws that were added or, you know, all the Oh, they added so much stuff. They added so much stuff. Actually, he alludes to that when he's saying like, yeah, you guys, 
you tithe on your your spices, but your heart is disgusting, and like right. you you strain out the gnats, but you swallow the camels. Right, and it I think it, I mean it connects with a lot of even when you get into the woes and stuff later on. It's funny because Jesus is trying to simplify everything, and he's like, okay, hit the two commandments that sum up the law and the prophets is love, mm-hmm. and so it feels like what they've been missing the love side of it. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing everything, doing all these things that they're supposed to, in quotes, supposed yeah. to do, yeah. but they're missing the love behind it. They're missing all of that, the, mm-hmm. the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And actually, when we're when Jesus is talking about these things, um, just kind of the interesting thing in my mind is like, of, of course, it's the heart of what God wants because Jesus is God. So when Jesus says these things, it's not this isolated incident of Jesus, the God man, just out somewhere talking. Like this is God's heart. This is God's right. theology taught through himself. Right. Um, and so what does God require of us? He wants us to love him and he wants us to love the people around us. Right. Um, and that's that's the foundation that we build everything else on. Um, then there's, there's this weird little debate about whose son the Messiah is, which is a little bit strange. Um, but one of the things that's kind of interesting in this part of the reading, um, Jesus explains, this is Matthew twenty two forty three. why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, call this Messiah my Lord? For David had said, and then he quotes uh, Psalms. Um, this is nerdy extra credit, but this is just one example of Jesus talking about like how the Bible was written. Like we have God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit written down by David. Um, so I, I love that kind of stuff because sometimes I teach classes on how to read the Bible. Actually, I'm teaching that right now. Um, and this is just one example of it. Another really cool example of um, how Jesus uses the Bible is actually kind of throughout this this passage. Um, Jesus is teaching them how to understand the Old Testament by saying, love God, love your neighbor. Um, and then he, when he calls them out in the seven woes, he's like, yeah, the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah is all on your hands. So what he's doing is he's basically calling out um, all the deaths in the Old Testament. <laughs> so this is Jesus teaching with the Old Testament. It's just one example of why the Old Testament remains very important to us because it was very important to Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. And then we get into these woes. Right? You want to go there? You want to talk about these woes? Sure. Um, for all those people that talk about how Jesus was always nice, read this passage. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. I'm like, I mean, it would have taken a lot of courage for anybody to speak up in that kind of a day. And imagine the the pushback he would have got from anybody. Um, Just imagine this as <laughs> as a sermon. So, the I think it's King James' seven woes. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, it is King James. Um, the NLT doesn't have woe, but it's basically seven different ways that the Pharisees are hypocrites. <laughs> and there's this recurring, if you listen closely, you'll catch this recur- recurring phrase, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, and then some condemnation. <laughs> Pharisees, hypocrites, condemnation. Uh, it's wild. I, th- I think it's funny if you put it in today's context. Imagine some like random teacher comes into a church. Oh, yeah. And he's telling all the pastors how they're all hypocrites. Yeah. Like you go to some really awesome church conference and the speaker's actually just like, woe to you, hypocrites. And you're like, oh, shoot. That doesn't sell books. Does Why it? did I pay for this? <laughs> um, interesting little, this is nerdy extra credit too. Um, Jesus opens his sermon on the mount with seven blessings. So this is like back in Matthew 5. He's kind of opening up like my ministry is going to be about these things and it's all about flipping the kingdom upside down and we're going to, we're going to honor those who serve. We're going to honor those who are the least. 
Um, and then we're kind of coming to the end of Jesus' ministry, and he has these seven woes for the teachers of the law, and it's like, hey, you guys are not doing a great job, and you are a bunch of hypocrites. But the heart of all these things, um, they're, I mean, they're interesting things that he's calling them out for, but the heart of it is like, you are following all these laws, and you're making these laws even more harder. More harder? Yeah. Sure. sure. Um <laughs> But really, you're just missing what God actually wants. God actually wants you to be personally dedicated and committed to Him and loving your neighbor. And instead, you're teaching about how much spice you have to give back to God. Right. It's and, crazy. And even the the comparison to the, the whitewashed tombs. Yeah. And he's like, you're dead inside. But like, that's like, oh, ouch. Yeah, and it's I, pretty painful. Well, even for me, I'm like thinking like, shoot, I don't ever want to just be worried about what I look like on the outside. And like my heart get hard or like, you know what I mean? Like well, it's like a heart check almost. How applicable is that though? Like when you like, you're aware, maybe this is only indicting to me, but <laughs> you're aware of like the darkness of your own heart. Like you're, you're aware of the things like the, the horrible things that go through your mind or like the, the painful things that you think towards other people. Like, you know what those things are. Yeah. And at the same time, you're simultaneously like, Oh my gosh, I can't let anybody know that I actually think that. Right. Um, and so Jesus is calling that out. I mean, this was this was happening on a pretty systematic level. I think this continues to happen on a pretty systematic level today. Right. Um, where I mean, actually, some of these high-profile pastors that are like leading these giant churches, and then you find out what they were doing that like right. behind closed doors. Um, it's the same thing. And I think God probably continues to feel exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, we are supposed to have a heart that is committed to God and what he's doing in the world. Uh, we're not supposed to be hypocrites. We're not supposed to be teaching something we don't follow ourselves. And Jesus was calling out the leaders of that day for that. And I think we could continue to heart check ourselves. Right. So that's good. Anything else that you see? Um, there is the part where he talks about, what does he say? He says the greatest among you yeah. among servants. I, yeah. I love that verse. And I mean, that's something that, for me, I, I continually come back to because I realize that in our culture, um, especially in like uh, American church culture, it feels like the greatest among you are on a platform. Yeah, right. Um, and so I, I look at this and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, it's really a heart check where it's like, okay, go back to the basics, mm -hmm. serve people, love mm -hmm. people. And that's something that he's been, he, I mean, he told it to his disciples, his 12 disciples a lot throughout, if you read throughout the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and so he just repeats it here again. Yeah, it's funny to me, like, especially if you think, like, I, I agree with you. And I think, like, if you if you look at the past, I don't know, 50 years of church ministry, um, why is it that the church keeps reproducing platform-centered people? It's yeah. because we're accidentally teaching that that's, like, the culmination of Christianity. You know, like, yep. when you get to show up at 7 o'clock for mic check, that's when you've arrived. Right. And it's like, oh, how can we stop producing Christians who don't actually follow Jesus? Well, actually, we could we could do a lot in our own leadership, I think. Right. That encourages people to seek out ways to serve, um, maybe to purposely seek out things that are not in the spotlight. Like, how great is it to be found out that you were doing something, like, really encouraging and really serving right? Um, without broadcasting it to the world? Well, it's fantastic, and, and there is a tension where you want to empower people to do things. Yeah. And so Jesus is like constantly empowering his disciples, but then he's constantly like, okay, be humble. Okay, serve people. You know, so it's yeah. like he's empowering them, and then it's like pull back. He's like, okay, but 
it's keep it simple. And they had the same struggles. I mean, they're they're like they're Jesus. This is this is actually what happens in Mark. Um, Jesus tells them like, "Hey, I'm going to die soon," and he starts walking down the road. And as he starts walking down the road, and all the disciples are processing that he just said he's going to die soon, they're like, "Okay, so so who's the best then?" Like, because they're literally like, "Okay, so who's going to be in charge next?" There's twelve <laughs> yeah. of us. Only one of us gets to be in charge. And Jesus is like, "You dummies, stop it!" <laughs> so it's it's um, we still struggle with the same things that the disciples struggled with, yeah. but. We also need to rise above that, like the disciples rose above that. Right. Um, Jesus is like the ultimate empowerment person because he's like, yeah, peace out, guys. See you later. Build the church. <laughs> he's just like gone. It's a lot of trust. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was still there and Jesus didn't disappear, but you get the joke. It's a lot of empowerment. All right, guys. Uh, this is great. I appreciate this conversation with Virgil. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Mark twelve twenty eight. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of the religious law replied, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and with all my understanding and all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandments in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Mark 12.35 Later, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked, Why do the teachers of the religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? The large crowd listened to him with great delight. Then, surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, He's the son of David. Jesus responded, Then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah my Lord? For David said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Luke twenty forty one. Then Jesus presented them with a question. Why is it, he asked, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Mark twelve thirty eight. Jesus also taught, Beware of these teachers of religious law, 
for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Matthew 23, 1-12 Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are as equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher. For you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke twenty forty-five to 47 Then with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of the religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes, and they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. Matthew twenty-three thirteen. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell as yourselves. Blind guides, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you're swearing by it and everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you're swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so grateful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first watch the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you decorate the monuments of godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would never have joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves, that you are indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started. Snakes, son of vipers, how will you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore, I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers of religious law, but you will kill some by crucifixion, and you will flog others with whips in your synagogues, chasing them from city to city. As a result, you will be held responsible for the murder of all the godly people of all time. From the murder of the righteous Abel to the murder of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you killed in the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this judgment will fall on this very generation. Matthew twenty three thirty seven. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look. Your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you will never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Mark 12, 41. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they give a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. While Jesus was still in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.